Hello and welcome to Baffling Cyclops. I'm David. And I'm Pepper Proxy. Hi. Hi. How are you doing this week? I'm doing well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What a year. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we I don't t- know what else to say about it. We were talking about just a couple of the things that happened to us. And we're, we're very lucky people. Yes, we're... I'm very grateful for the life, lives that we have. (laughs) Yeah, so it feels weird to complain. Yeah, I'm not complaining. But I did want to bring up two things that happened this year that were very strange, that affected not just us, but other people. Okay. Which was the week of smoke. I I had blocked that out. That's why I bring it up, because I thought it was interesting, because I mentioned it in passing to you when we were talking about something else, and you were like, I I didn't even remember that happened. And you know, I have a phenomenal memory. I really do. I remember things that happened like when I was two years old. I totally blocked it out. That week was a very challenging week. Yeah, and there were forest fires in Washington State and Oregon. Yeah. And the wind shifted, and we had to keep, uh, in the middle of summer, had to keep all our doors and windows, much like much of California, Oregon, and Washington. Yeah, so many people lost so much stuff. Yikes. Yeah, and it was a, but that was a crazy week, and that was this, well, last year at this point, which is great. And the other thing I was going to bring up is um, during the protests in June, uh, we had a police helicopter that circled over our house 24 hours a day. For three weeks. That's true. And I think there was even, was there a little overlap with the fires and the pro, with the smoke and the protesters? I think that there was some. A little bit. A little bit yeah. of overlap, but not a ton. Yeah. And uh, that was crazy too. Yes, it was. Because our neighborhood became uh, national news. Yes. When well, one not of the, exactly our neighborhood, but very close. Within a mile yeah. of our yeah. house. Yeah. <laughs> it became uh, national news because the protesters took over the park and part of the street. Yeah, chop. Chop, yeah. Um, so that was interesting because... Um, but can I just say, that that's Capitol Hill, and we're in the CD. I'm a CD baby. Um, <laughs> Central District. Central District. And... The reason why I like to clarify it, because even though it is like a mile away, um, it feels like it's a, a longer distance because if you were down in CHOP um, and you wanted to make your way and protest to our neighborhood, you have to go up a really pretty steep hill. So I felt like it was further away than it actually was. But every time they would break up a protest and we were out for a walk, we would walk by the people leaving the protest. Yes, we would. Yep. So it was, we were right there and the police helicopter didn't hover over our house, but it would, it was in a constant circle. And it sometimes felt like they were fixing to land in our backyard. It totally did. It was crazy. Yeah. And crazy making. Yeah, it was. And my weirdest Weirdest moment directly related to that during the whole thing was at one point a an unmarked white capped truck drove through our neighborhood with a speaker on top of it, no license plates, tinted windows, blasting a preacher talking about how we needed to prepare for the final days and Armageddon. Yes. 
I blocked that out, too. I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, and they drove by like they were in an ice cream truck <laughs> trying to attract people by. Like, it was super slow. Hello! That's an yeah. ice cream truck. <laughs> yeah, our ice cream truck place, I think. Yeah, and then, hello. Um, <laughs> but it's, so I just, that was so weird. Yeah. This year, is, 2020 has been very odd for many reasons. Yeah, and they stopped, the police stopped responding in our neighborhood at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I forgot there was that guy on our back porch who was smoking drugs that you had to race home and save me from. (laughs) And shoo him off. (laughs) Yeah, I was terrified. I was so terrified because I didn't want to call the cops on the guy, um, and I also didn't want the guy on my back porch because I had no idea um, and saw him on the cameras, and I'm like, shit, what do I do? I tried to reach out to my neighbors, um, and they weren't home. And then you work, you work a distance away from the house, and it can take you anywhere between two hours to get home on a really bad day to like 40 minutes. You were here in less than 20 minutes. That's all I have to say. Yeah. I, I You're sp- my hero. I sped a little bit. I may, yeah. have, I may have cheated a bit. I may have cheated a bit in the HOV lane on the way home. Yeah. You're that my time, hero. Which I never do. Yeah. But yeah, what a weird year. It was very strange. and uh, But I just wanted to say like it, the, it was very odd to be the center of national news for a while. And also the fire was so strange because we were in quarantine with all the windows shut. Yeah. With a, a national a national focus for protests well, and, within a mile from and our house in a police helicopter. The other thing is, you know, as far as in the United States, the first like rumblings of COVID-19 and coronavirus, they were here in Seattle as well at that elderly home. Yeah. So, we were kind of national our you know, our city was national news for a while. We went to see Robin Hitchcock like the day Ugh. the day before they Locked said down. they said don't go to anything like that. And they started canceling events and we had tension, at least I had tension about going to Robin Hitchcock. But we did get to go to Pee Wee. Yes. Um, see Paul Rubens and you got to meet him, which is so cool. Yeah, I got to meet that Paul Rubens. That happened this year too. I know. That so was So we had some good wonderful. stuff happen this year. That was so great yeah. to be able to meet Paul Rubens. Yeah. And um and uh, that Robin Hitchcock concert was really great too. It was good. Emma was there, you know, my girl Emma Swift, Emma Swift was there. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was good, but what a crazy it was just a crazy time. One other thing that was kind of crazy about that um, concert, we've seen Robin Hitchcock. We've seen him, you know, for many, so, many, many years. Yeah, and, it, um, probably over we, 20 times. Yeah, since we met, you you introduced him to me. And um, this venue, it was so weird because I, I think we were maybe the youngest people there or close and we're not young. And it was just like, oh my gosh, it was kind of a realization like, oh my gosh, are we getting old? <laughs> are we getting old? Like, mm. <laughs> I don't know. It was, and, and then like the next day, it was like, no, you know, stay indoors. Like we were even afraid to go for our walks outside and feed the crows. It was, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. One other, um, 
thing that was a result of the quarantine this year, or that came at the beginning of the quarantine, was pasta shortage. Oh my gosh! Remember we... Yes! And not just... Like, cause I make pasta, um, so it wasn't that big a deal to like right. ha- have you know have a, di- a difficult time finding dried pasta. Um, but bucatini, bucatini, <laughs> which I was going to mention this week because I found that article. Um, Rachel Handler on Grub Street wrote an article called "What the Hole Is Going On: <laughs> The Very Real, Totally Bizarre Bucatini Shortage of 2020." Wait, what the hole? H O L E. Cause well, because it's got that, but you know, bucatini is my favorite pasta. It's my favorite I, pasta. I know that. And it's a more recent favorite pasta. Because when I met you, your favorite pasta was angel hair. Uh, and you know what my least favorite pasta is? Angel hair. Angel hair. It's like mush. It's so gross. But I, you like, loved it when I did. I, first met I you. you know, I did, but I I'm guess our saying, tastes change. Yeah. But yeah. the Ugh, <laughs> angel hair. No, no shame to anybody who loves it, but it just, it's not for. It's not for me. Well, I just thought it was interesting because we haven't really talked to anyone about the Bucatini shortage. No, we've only talked about it amongst ourselves. Because who would we talk to about? I know the nobody Bucatini else. Sh- I don't. I think it was. I think it's a very underappreciated dried pasta. And at a certain point, I think we would have been just like any pasta was good at the grocery store because we were like going and we would buy pasta that was just there. And, yeah. yeah, they well. It, your favorite pasta, um, the rigatoni, which we call Rick and Tony, um, just to be funny in, just, in our house. Just to be funny, <laughs> um, th- th- we couldn't find any Rick and Tony either. Nope, we couldn't. And uh, there was or it was like orzo and angel hair, like the two grossest well, ones. <laughs> it was funny because when Rachel came up with the idea for her article, yeah. in the article she said she like pitched it. And she thought, like, everyone was going to be like, this is too obscure. Yeah. And instead, people were like, yes, find <laughs> out what happened to the Bucatini. I need the Bucatini. Yeah. And um, so she started doing research, and she went through a bunch of stuff. And it turned out that, one, they focused on the – all pasta companies focused on the best-selling pastas for what they did – and the easier to produce pastas yeah. and bucatini is difficult because it has a hole. Yeah, it's like a it's straw. It's like an extruded pasta, I yeah. would assume. Yeah. But it has and it yeah. has the little hole in the middle. And according to the aficionados in her her um article. I, I'm going to say pre- I preemptively, I agree with them. <laughs> that Dikeko brand is yeah. the best one because it has the largest hole. It's good. That bur- is it, Barilla? Yeah, that, that's the, the, the yeah. hole was too small. Yeah, that, I agree with that. Um, but there are others down at um, at the market. What's that Italian grocery store down there? Oh, I can't remember, but I, um, I, the one in the Pike Place market. Yeah, the, yeah. it's on the corner. It yeah. starts with the D. They have we've we've gotten bu- really good bucatini from there that was imported from Italy. Well, she found out that Decaco tried to import some bucatini and it got pushed back by the fda that's ridiculous and she couldn't figure it find out why and she called some experts and one of them said (laughs) maybe because um the plastic straws were banned people are using them as straws so that (laughs) 
The FDA is used is applying a higher standard. But but they would be um, recyclable and like well, organic. But his point was, you're not supposed to eat uncooked pasta. And the writer of the article, yeah. Rachel Handler, is like, well, I eat pasta while I'm cooking all the time. I've been known to do that. And and he's like, well, it's a one in a billion that anything <laughs> would happen anyway. So it's really not that big a deal. Yeah. So Rachel did research, and she found the FDA records pushing back the pasta. Okay. Which the FDA refers to as macaroni. Um, of course they do, because this is 1948. Right. Well, everything <laughs> everything to do with it is 1948. So it turns out in America they enforce an enriched pasta rule, where which is nuts. Where they have to add additional nutrients to the pasta. So it poison. Did, add poison. Well, it was iron. So she, they had to add iron to the pasta, and the. Dekeko people did not add enough, so they were not allowed to import it. But it gets really kind of creepier because, and I know this from experience, the FDA would in no way randomly pick up a package of pasta and test it for iron. It's nuts. Which means one of their competitors <gasps> must have tested it. Narked on them. And narked on them. So there's uh, pasta intrigue. Um, she refers to big pasta, um, which she's uh, saying, sure. which sure. she says is like the Oil group companies. that controls all pasta. Do you think our friend Claudia from Food Insider from YouTube knows about the pasta, like the pasta mafia? I don't know. <laughs> so hopefully, as things start to return to normal and it and production ramps back up. They claim in the article it should be back in the US by this month or next month. Oh thank goodness. Now because now I have I have a taste bud for it right now cuz you've been talking about it. I know. It. And you also shared with me a recipe that went viral and you said you thought that maybe it Well that's what started people liking yeah. it so much in the first place which was from uh, the New York Times did a recipe for caramelized shallot pasta. That didn't look that pasta did not look good to me. Sounded good to me. No, I mean, it seemed to um, it because it had the shallot or shallot, uh, if you're Gordon Ramsay, and it had anchovies and tomato paste. And I'm not against any of those ingredients. It just almost seemed like it had too much like savory flavors. I don't know. It, I thought it looked. It sounded like I wouldn't want necessarily think it was something I want every day. Yeah. But it sounded like something that would be like extraordinarily because I caramelized shallots have a delicious flavor, yeah, and the double absorption rate kind of of bucatini because you should say that's one of the reasons the hole in the middle of the bucatini yeah. is great is because when you put it in sauce the sauce permeates the yes. pasta almost entirely because the hole is in the middle. Yeah, well, it 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 does especially if you have a pasta that it, or a, a sauce that is more on the liquid end um, and that you undercook the bucatini in the salted water so you can finish cooking it in the sauce. It's so good. It's so good. I'm I'm almost sad that we're talking about it because it sounds good and we don't have any. 
Bukatini list. So that was the that was the big part of the podcast I wanted to do. I did want to mention too that um, the crows have been um, prolific. V- prolific. <laughs> the crows have been prolific, and you um, you had me take a video of you while we were feeding the crows on one day when. Tons of crows were coming down. There were so, how many would you say there were? That day there were hundreds of crows. Like I have, yeah. It's hard to count because they they're in motion, but it was overwhelming. It was an it overwhelming. Was over- and I think you and I were were just tickled, yeah. and it was like magical. But there were other people on the street <laughs> who were not as tickled. They, they seemed terrified. They, they were terrified. There was one person that ran. Yeah. Definitely another woman that. Uh, Ran, went across the street, people taking video, thinking yeah. it was them yeah. that was causing the problem when it was us. And wait, wait, wait! Problem? Well, the you mean the magical experience. the magical moment? It's like a <laughs> Disney ride. What are you talking about? But you had me take a video of you where I threw some peanuts behind you, and then just a swarm of crows, yeah, uh, swoops down below, and you're wearing your new caterpillar coat. I am. I felt like Moira. You were doing it from Schitt's Creek. Yeah. You know, you were you were in the crowing. The crows yes. have eyes. <laughs> Maybe if you'll give me permission, I'll I'll put an edited version of oh, that. Sure. That Whatever. video up and include it as um, part of the podcast. Well, you know, one of the things that I was kind of excited about this week is um, I've made a couple face masks. Oh yeah. And the origami style. Origami style, and I bought one. A, a while ago, um, and I think it was like $30. It was a little bit on the pricey side. But my friend who has a shop, she recommended it because she has to wear a mask, obviously, all day long. Um, and they were selling them at the shop across the street from hers. And we ran over there and checked out the shop across the street. And she, my friend was wearing, her name's Emily. Emily was wearing hers, and then she was buying I think two more, one for her partner and then another one for herself. Um, and, you know, she has great taste and I trust her. So I, I, I bought one too. And then I was like, there's got to be a way that I can just whip out my singer and make this mask. And I did. And they turned out really well, in my opinion. Yeah, they look my, great. My humble opinion. Yeah, they look really good. And you know, you've have... Um, a couple bits of fabric around that you've been saving for a rainy day. So they, yeah. they have a really cool, they're really cool fabric yeah. um, as well. So. I made one with, it. it's a silk fabric, it's silk fabric and it has like um, bugs, like beetles and bugs on it with a bright green background. Um, I think it's a kind of a knockoff Gucci or it's maybe runoff Gucci fabric from the factory. I, I don't know for sure. And then I made one out of vintage um, bandana like fabric, which I really like a lot. So, yeah. So that looks cool. Yeah, that was really great. Um, so that was fun this they week. They look good. Yeah. Thank you. Very fun. So happy new year, bub. Goodbye and have a great year. Um so long for now. So long for now. Auf Wiedersehen. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And to read our show notes, sign up for our newsletter at bafflingcyclops.com.